Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO, Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Dan. Good to be here. Oh, good to have you, Chris. Um, let's talk about uh, new home sales here for a moment. So in July, we saw new home sales. They were down 12.6%. Um, looking at year-over-year sales, they are down 30%. Um, new home sales, they are actually down now six of the last seven months. Uh, so pretty ugly. Um, question here is, you know, are, are housing prices next? Um, is housing a cowbell for the overall economy? Um, and outside of housing, is there anything else that you're watching right now? Yeah, sure. Uh, housing's a really important sector for the economy. Um, as you can imagine, when you buy a home and a, or a home is constructed, it, it goes through several different supply chains, everything from you know, paint, lumber, uh, carpet, uh, appliances, entertainment. And then when you move into a new home, inevitably you're buying additional furniture and there's other things that come with it. So it is a leading indicator for the economy writ large. And often it is the first uh, sector to turn down in an economic slowdown when it's driven by higher interest rates and declining liquidity. Um, And certainly we really stimulated home prices during the pandemic with both a kind of increase in mobility. Uh, People didn't have to stay in cities and go into the office. And we were already insufficient as it relates to supplying new homes to the marketplace. And we cut rates to zero and we provided stimulus. So it's easy to envision that we overstimulated home prices by 20, 25%. Uh, the degree to what's the, to what they're going to correct is like everything in real estate. It's going to depend on location. Uh, broadly speaking, affordability would say home prices should decline. Now that can happen. It's going to happen on a real basis. Now whether that happens on a nominal basis and to what degree is going to depend on the zip code and the, the time duration that's needed to to clear the excess inventories. The only silver lining. In the, in the adjustment for homes is we were coming from such a low level of supply that when we see these month inventories spike, we need to look through them through a different lens. But it's going to be a key tell over the next several quarters. What is the response out of builders for new homes? Uh, what is the impact on existing home sales, does the higher price and now the higher mortgage costs mean people s- stop looking for a new home themselves? So existing homes pull off the market. Um, and we'll see how quick we chew through the inventory. Clearly, activity is already slowing. So we're already seeing layoffs in, in the residential construction sector. And yes, it's a leading indicator for the rest of the economy. Um, and as far as things we're watching, you know, we got the composite PMI yesterday and services would indicate it's entering in a contractionary territory as well. This is all very consistent with what we've been saying, which is we're moving into a recession. The degree and the extent and breadth and depth of the slowdown is yet to be determined, uh, but there's nothing unusual right now. Everything's kind of falling into place with with our base thesis. Um, and let's look over overseas here for a little bit, um, specifically the relationship between the, the euro and the, and the U.S. dollar. Um, so we saw the euro, it dropped below the USD. Um, are you more surprised by the continued dollar strength or the, are you more surprised by the euro weakness? 
And then the follow-up to that is, you know, do you think that, um, or rather, does this favor the U.S. over European markets um, over the short to midterm here? Yeah. So I think a lot of the strength we've seen in the dollar and the weakness we've seen, not just in the euro, but overseas, we're seeing the biggest weakness in currencies with countries that are short energy. We are going through an energy crisis. And this isn't going to be a one year. It's not just going to be this winter. Um, you know, we have uh, have not invested sufficiently in energy production and energy infrastructure, and we need to catch up. And it's going to take several years to do so. And that is a fact, even if you know the Russia-Ukraine situation came to an end tomorrow. Um, so that pressure is not surprising, given the fact we finally tripped over into that energy crisis. As it relates to uh, dollar strength on its own. I think we really need to see whether or not the Fed can continue quantitative tightening. When you look at the acceleration and the fall off in tax receipts, and my guess we're going to start to see rather quickly a significant increase in the budget deficit, um, we're at a level where the Fed may be forced to finance uh, the deficits and stop quantitative tightening. At a minimum, they're going to have to provide some regulatory relief for the banks if they're not going to stop quantitative tightening so that the banks can expand their holding of treasuries. But, you know, we've talked about this off and on, this potential for this balance of payments crisis in the U.S., and it looks like that could be a, a nearer-term impact. Uh, and we just need to wait and see. Things are setting up where it's now a possibility we need to see where the weakness come from and, and does it, in fact, manifest itself. It would be very similar to what we saw in the fourth quarter of 2019 and even potentially the fourth quarter of 2018. So if we do experience a situation where the Fed has to pivot, not for the reasons the market is saying that inflation's peak, but they have to pivot to actually fund deficits and lower interest rates so that it's quasi-sustainable, we may see some relief for the euro in these other countries unrelated to any easing in the energy crisis. Um, if that in and of itself doesn't play out, um, then, you know, when you look at kind of the short to medium term implications of would you rather own uh, non-U.S. assets or U.S. assets, we just need to wait and see. We need to see what the next moves are with Russia, Ukraine. We need to see what the next moves are with Fed policy. And we also need to see what the Chinese are going to do. The Chinese economy is in a very, very difficult spot. Um, there's looks like, you know, may, there may be some pressure building within you, the yuan as well. And we've got to see how tough a winner it is for the core European economies and, and what really what kind of shape the economies come out of uh, in the spring. So I think it's a little too early to call whether or not you want to make a, a big shift in your al allocations regionally. But, you know, the world's been pretty pessimistic. So that contrarian thinking is, is probably leaning towards the right direction. Uh, and one more, uh, talking about so what we've seen in the market and bottoms. So, you know, since we recorded last week, you know, the S&P is, is down uh, a little over 4%. Um, on our last podcast, you ripped through a checklist of things you'd like to see uh, before you, you thought we would be approaching a bottom here. Um, anything over the course of this 4% drawdown getting us any closer to the bottom in your mind? Um, unfortunately, no. Um, and, and again, it's not going to be, I don't look at the bottom as a price level necessarily on the indices. It's going to be time and space. 
So we need to see how bit, how bad as we move from a growth recession to an earnings recession to a general economic recession, where does it start to show up, if at all, in credit? Where does it start to show up, and what are the reflexive elements of it? Does employment get weak, and where does it get weak? And then what do we need to do as far as bringing down earnings estimates? Um, and I guess the two things that, that I'm going to focus on, other than what we talked about in the checklist last week, is... It's amazing to me that we really haven't brought down second half estimates for 22 yet, and we really haven't brought down 2023 estimates. They need to come down, I think, fairly meaningfully. And, and once we do that, um, you know, that's going to be a key element of setting expectations that we can beat or at least meet, and that should put a floor into markets. The other component of this is central banks across the globe are shrinking their balance sheets. So liquidity is leaving capital markets. There, it, mathematically, mechanically, asset prices cannot move higher without liquidity increasing in some form or fashion. So a Fed pivot away from QT and re-implementing QE in order to fund deficits, even if none of the other items on the checklist um, have been checked off, that can put a floor into markets. The liquidity has to go somewhere. Um, so I'm really going to watch earnings estimates. When do we start bringing things down? Let's look at the data. Let's see where the weakness spreads out to. We know it's in housing. We're starting to see it uh, further in, in pockets of, of tech and in the industrial space. We just need to see, again, how, how broad and how deep the slowdown becomes. But you've got to be watching liquidity. And liquidity is still contracting, and the Fed is still on a path to reduce liquidity even more in September. And then seasonally, with options expiration and lack of liquidity, September may be a little bit of a treacherous environment. So we never know what's going to happen. We have to let the flows play out. But there's a bit of an air pocket after all of the short covering we've seen the last few weeks. So probably a little more volatility. We'll try to use it to our advantage and just keep watching the data. Good deal. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on it, and we'll have you back here. Check. Keep on catching up. So good. So thank you, Chris, and we'll you talk bet. soon. Thanks, Dan. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws. Securities discussed within this podcast may be held in the Von Nelson strategies.